Let's pray. God, we are grateful to be here on this Easter Sunday to reflect on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, to, to think about what that means. That, is that true? Is that powerful? Does it have any effect in our lives? Lord, may we open our hearts and minds to, to think about these things, to engage upon this scripture, this passage, this, these words from the Bible. Bless us in this time, we pray. In the name of Christ, amen. Well, when it comes to Easter, people have a lot of different perspectives about Easter. Now, I'm not talking about the holiday. I'm talking about the event, the event of Jesus raised from the dead to new life. I mean, people have all kinds of different thoughts. It it ranges from unbelief to horror, from curiosity to true belief. I mean, even the words of the angels, listen to these words. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen from the dead. He is risen from the dead, the angel says. But they didn't believe it. Even though Jesus had said that after three days he would rise from the dead, they didn't really believe it, right? Because the women were visiting Jesus in the tomb and surprised when he wasn't there. The disciples were off grieving over Jesus' death. They didn't really believe that he would rise from the dead. Do you believe it? I mean, really believe it in the way that it will transform your life. It will change your reality. It will impact you in the deepest of ways. This morning, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about us really understanding and believing this truth and really seeing the difference that it makes for our lives when we truly believe it. As I said before, there are many who have different, uh, different thoughts about the resurrection. Some people have unbelief when it comes to Jesus being raised from the dead. They treat the resurrection like a fictional story. I mean, once you die, you're, you die, right? And that's the end of it. So the story of someone being raised from the dead, that has to be a fictional story, right? You might remember, if you're old enough, this show, The Twilight Zone, a number of years ago, in the 70s, right? Maybe into the 80s a little bit. But it's a classic show, and if you go to California Adventure, well, I guess they don't have that ride anymore, do they? They got rid of Twilight Zone and the California Adventure. For a long time, they had that ride. So up to a couple years ago, if you went to California Adventure, you rode a ride called, uh, what was it called? Power terror, right, but it had to do with the Twilight Zone. Anyway, each week on this show, the picture there, the man, his name's Rod Serling, he would come out and he would talk about, he would set up the show for that day. And then he would always close with these words, as we travel into another dimension known as the Twilight Zone, right? And then the show would take us to this other dimension and we would encounter things that we would never encounter in this world things that were other-dimensional. It would cause us to to face our fears and to think about other kinds of things. But the truth was is that the show was not real. It didn't really happen. It was just make-believe. This is what a lot of people think about the resurrection. It wasn't real. It was just make-believe. It didn't happen. Something like that could never happen in our world. Death is final and cannot be changed. I mean, even scripture seems to support that. 
Whenever you see yellow, I encourage you, please read with me the yellow parts. So Genesis 3.19 says, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Speaking of death. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. God is speaking to Adam and Eve. Or actually to Adam in this particular case. Talking about how when he dies he will return into the ground. We also have Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 2. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. Hebrews 9.27, just as people are destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. So if Scripture teaches this, then how can we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? That's a challenge for a lot of people. To believe this would mean that we would have to go into a real twilight zone. We would have to go into a dimension apart from our own. And to do this, we need to follow the thinking and the teaching of Jesus, who often spoke otherworldly, other dimensions, it sounds like, when he teaches. I mean, he says in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. See, Jesus wanted them to understand that earth was not his home. He was not going to stay there. He, was, he had a work to do, and once he was done with that work, he would return to his place, which was heaven. And then Luke 7, 21 to 23. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John, which you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So Jesus is talking about all the works that he will do while he is there. And one of those things he talks about is raising the dead. And then Matthew 7, 22, 23. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And what? On the third day, he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. Right here, Jesus point blank says, I am going to be raised from the dead on the third day. So the question is, do you believe it? And there's many who do not believe it. He is raised from the dead, we are told, from a power beyond this world, the power of God, the power that is beyond any power that we could know or understand fully. But along with that, another response people have is that of horror. I mean, how could a father allow his son to die? If you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you don't believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, then you look at this event as in, in a way of horror. I mean, a father allowing his son to be killed. Now, if you've ever watched the news and you've heard about the, the death of a child, that's a horrible thing, right? Or if you hear about parents having to watch their children die, even a more horrible thing, or even sometimes you hear the most horrible of stories where parents actually kill their children. 
horrible, horrible thing. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He willingly gave his son over to death. There's a true story of a minister who was doing a eulogy for a prominent citizen in the, in the city. And he was talking about all of his great virtues, all of his great qualities, and he was talking about this man. And, and finally, he looked over the casket, and he pointed at the casket, and he says, here we have only the shell. The nut is gone. <laughs> Maybe a misstep in words. But you know, a lot of people looked at Jesus as a nut. They believed he was crazy. I mean, the Pharisees were so done with him that they made it trump up, they trumped up charges against him so that he would be arrested and he would be found guilty of a crime enough for his being killed, crucified on the cross. That's how much they wanted to get rid of Jesus because they thought his teachings were crazy leading the people astray to something they did not believe was true. So still, you have this situation, though, where a father is allowing his son to die. But we need to go to the second part of John 3.16 to really understand this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that what? Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That so that, that phrase so that is so important. He gave his son, why? So that whoever believes in Jesus as their Savior, as their Lord, will not perish, meaning that they will not be eternally separated from God, but they will have eternal life. See, while the death is a horrible thing, if you know anything about how Jesus died, you, you know it, it's a horrible thing in that respect. But in the midst of all that, it would have been a more horrible thing had God allowed us to stay in our sin and to be eternally separated from his love, from his presence, from his goodness. It would have been a horrible thing for us not to experience the hope that God gives us in life. It would have been a horrible thing for God to allow our sin to disconnect us while we're here on this earth, having to live this life without the presence of power of God in our life. It would have been a more horrible thing for God to not have died on the cross than for him to have died on the cross. And that's how much God loves us, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus' death and subsequent resurrection keeps these horrible things from occurring. Still, others believe that Christianity is not true and will not last. The French philosopher Voltaire said this, the Bible and Christianity will pass within a hundred years. Voltaire died in 1778 and still Christianity goes on. And then you had Friedrich Nietzsche in 1882 who said, God is dead. I mean, the, the scientific revolution burst upon the scene, and he believed that Christianity was doomed. These people truly believe this, and yet Christianity continues on. Over the years, people have tried to bury Christianity, replace Christianity, exchange Christianity for another belief, Many have thrown away their Christian beliefs to follow some other teaching. 
But God's word says this, Isaiah 55, 10 to 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. It is said that 33% of the world is Christian. The next closest uh, religion is 21% Islam. And now that may not sound like a great difference in terms of percentage, but in the amount of people, it is a difference of 2.1 billion people. Christianity is by far the strongest religion that is followed. So how can we explain this? How can we show that Christianity is not a passing fancy? I mean, it's really astounding. Think about Jesus. He was a lowly peasant. He never wrote a book or held an office. I mean, nowadays you need to write, write a book, right, to be of any acclaim at all. He never journeyed more than 200 miles away from his home. People left him because his teaching was too difficult to follow. Even one of his disciples, Judas, turned against him. Many abandoned him after his arrest, leaving him to be all alone. Yet after his death, they couldn't resist him. Christianity, we've been going through the book of Acts in our uh, week-to-week studies here on Sunday mornings, and we see how the witness went out about Jesus, and more and more, and thousands of thousands of people are believing in Jesus Christ. After his death, they couldn't resist him. What was the difference? The difference was that his death and resurrection truly make a difference. Jesus and Jesus' death and resurrection make the difference because when he died, your sin and my sin dies with him. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, our hope, our hope was resurrected with him. When Jesus rose from the grave, your grave and my grave, when we die, is not the same. It will not be our resting place. Our eternal destination in Christ will be heaven, in the very presence of God, in the very glory of God, in the very love of God. We will be surrounded because of what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection. But it makes a difference on our life here on earth as well. Romans 6, 4, we are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that what? Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We are given the opportunity, we are given the possibility of living a new life. Jesus' death and resurrection comes into our lives with a power like no other and changes our lives now and forever. When we commit ourselves to Jesus Christ, we live a better life than we could ever live without Jesus. Our sinful, selfish ways are pushed aside, and they're replaced with Jesus' love and the way and the ability to love others. We live a new, transformed kind of life, more ethical, more honest, more kind, more loving. We are able to overcome life's hardships more easily because of the power of the resurrection working in our lives. 
when we do something that we know we shouldn't do. In Christ, we are, are moved to that place where it bothers us so much that we, we seek to change the way we live, the way we behave. Without Christ, you see people will do wrong things all the time, won't bother them at all. They'll be unloving, uncaring, unkind. They'll be selfish. It doesn't bother them at all. But in Christ, you realize, wait a minute, that's not the way to live. That's not a purposeful and meaningful life to live. When King Herod heard that Jesus had been born, he said these words, Kill him, there is room for only one king. And that is true, there is room for only one king. But that king is Jesus Christ. And we need to allow Jesus to be that king, that Lord of our lives, to guide us and govern us and, and show us the way and give us the strength to do better. There's an article that was uh, printed in the Journal of Sucker Theory. And it's from Bell Laboratories, and it was titled, A Light in the Dark. And I'd like to read a portion of that article for you, give you a little, some notes that goes with it. For years, it has been believed that electric light bulbs emitted light. However, recent information from Bell Labs has proven otherwise. Electric bulbs don't emit light, they suck dark. Thus, they now call these bulbs dark suckers. <laughs> the basis of the dark sucker theory is that electric bulbs suck dark. Take, for example, the dark suckers in a room where the light is turned on. There is less dark right next to the lights than there is elsewhere. The larger the dark sucker, the greater the capacity to suck dark. As with all things, duck suckers, dark suckers don't last forever. Once they are full of dark, they can no longer suck. This is proven by the black spot on a full dark sucker. A new candle has a white wick. You will notice after the first use, the, whack, the wick turns black, representing all the dark which has been sucked into it. Dark is also heavier than light. If you swim deeper and deeper, you notice it gets darker and darker. When you reach a depth of approximately 50 feet, you are in total darkness. This is because dark sinks to the bottom of the lake and the lighter light floats to the top. The conclusion Bell Labs has made is that dark suckers make all our lives much easier. So the next time you look at an electric bulb, remember that it is indeed a dark sucker. Now, I read this for you, and I say, is that true? Is that true? And the answer is no, that's preposterous. What I read for you is not true in any way. Now, you might have wondered if it was true because I, I used the word Bell Labs, and I said it was an article that was written, and I talked about the darkness around the light bulb, right, and the dark spot on the candle, and, and I used some things that maybe kind of said, hmm, that... I know, yeah, wick does turn black, and you know, you, yeah, it is dark in the deep ocean. And, and so you use these little bits of truth, and you weave it in, and then people maybe believe it. See, this is what happens if we're not careful with our Christian faith, right? What happens is that we hear some truth, or somebody's saying that this is the truth, and they start to teach this, and people start to believe it because they don't look at it or filter it through the Word of God, through the truth that does exist. And so people can be led astray by false teaching 
because it sounds true. They weave it in a way that sounds true, or maybe they put a little bit of truth in it and then a lot of false into it, and people are led astray and believe things other than Christianity. The truth of Jesus, he is light that shines in darkness. As light, he pierces through the darkness of sin and deceit. Jesus exposes the darkness so you can know what is true and what is right and what is good. And when you have Jesus in your life and the power of the resurrection, then you are able to discern what is good and what is right and what is bad and what is not right. Jesus takes away the sin and the darkness from you and removes it from your life so that it has no power in your life anymore. The stone of the tomb represents the truth of the Bible. Jesus came to die for our sins, but he was also raised from the dead, and he continues to live in heaven as our living Lord. The tomb is empty. He is our living Lord, and as our living Lord, he gives us life. He gives us light. He gives us truth. He gives us understanding. And so I pray that as we think about Jesus, as we think about Easter, as we think about the resurrection, that maybe you will understand a little bit more that Jesus' death was a needed thing so that the penalty of our sins could be paid for. And then he was raised for the dead, and that is a truth that can be proven. And in his resurrection, he is alive in heaven as our Savior and our Lord watching over us caring for us, guiding us, and strengthening us. And I pray that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. And if you don't, I would very much like to talk to you more about this because I believe this is the, the one and most important decision that you could ever make in your life. Saying yes to Jesus and letting him change and transform your life to give you purpose here on this earth an eternal hope in heaven. Let us pray.